You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well, let's start the insanity. <laughs> I couldn't resist because we all know that I am an idiot, but the Packers do close out the season with a road win in Chicago, 35 to 16, the final score. And yes, clinching a first round by and a home field advantage. Um, I might just be a little bit loopy here because my partner busted her butt painting the doors in our house today. So I'm breathing in paint fumes also means that our doors are all ajar. So she gets to hear adult man child talking into a microphone about a children's ball game. I am that adult man child, Zach Rapport at Zach Rapport on Twitter. Follow the show at the APC pod. This is the APC podcast, our rapid recap show. We are two schlitz to the wind here moments after the final whistle. I am joined once again, my trusty, my trusty sidekick here, um, <laughs> slash boss. That's a little bit of a weird sentiment. Uh, Tex Western. How are you doing, man? <laughs> <laughs> oh, feeling good. I'm, I am very glad that the Packers don't have to work, uh, worry about playing on what's going to be a ridiculous wildcard weekend next weekend. Um, so yeah, they took care of business. It looked for a little bit like they were going to get a little bit of help from Seattle. Um, but, uh, the Seahawks ended up figuring their own crap out and, uh, going on to win against San Francisco. So the Packers needed it today to, to clinch that one seed. And they, uh, again, looked a little hairy for green Bay too, until early in the fourth quarter, but, uh, they, they figured it out very, very well in those last 15 minutes. So I'm in pretty good spirits. You and I, speaking of the Seahawks, were, were chatting in the middle of the game, and I believe I said something like, has anyone ever checked in on a Seahawks game midway through and had it been, uh, had it be a normal score, like 14 to <laughs> 7 or something? I checked in at some point in the third quarter, I believe, and it was 16 to 6, uh, because of course it was. <laughs> yeah, and then it went to 16 to 12 right after because of a missed PAT, I think. Oh my so. God. Yeah. Seattle cannot play a normal Ugh. game. That's just completely impossible for them. Seattle going to Seattle. Well, this uh, was this a, a normal game for the Packers? I feel like it was a normal <laughs> uh, Packers Bears game in that yes. uh, the game started out exactly as annoying as I thought it was going to be. There was the uh, the kickoff bullshit that was took, you know, it was like they hadn't even there were no time had elapsed and we had already spent 10 minutes talking to Dean Blandino and there were injuries in the first couple game minutes. I don't know. Did you get that same impression? We're a couple minutes in and you're like, I'm already annoyed at this game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The um, yeah, the opening kickoff where it it looked pretty clear to me that Cordell Patterson touched the ball before his foot went out of bounds. Um, and yeah, that really just sort of set the stage for what was what was going to be kind of an agonizing, just um, frustrating day from a, you know, just 
just just an all around game that that you knew was going to make your blood boil a little bit, even if the Packers were going to find a way to win. Yeah. Can you like uh, explain it to me like I'm like I'm five years old to quote Michael Scott, <laughs> the the whole thing with it, Patterson, did, did he like he so he slid, he got his foot out of bounds intentionally before he touched the ball. Is that why that was a penalty? That's why they. That's what they ruled is that he he touched his foot to to the sideline before touching the football. It's the same thing that Randall Cobb's done and Ty Montgomery did a, uh, several years ago, where if you are touching the out of bounds line, even if the ball is in play and you you know you're, you the the body is out of bounds and you touch the football, that means that the ball is technically out of bounds and it goes for for a kickoff out of bounds penalty and you get the ball at the forty. So it's it's a clever thing to do if you can do it right. Patterson, I really thought, screwed it up and should have cost his team 39 yards of field position. But they ruled that that he you know touched the sideline before touching the football, which, yeah, that really set the stage for just some some weirdness, um, you know, throughout the first half, especially in this game. I, I feel like it's small potatoes for the, the competition community uh, committee. They've got bigger fish to fry, but they, they should change that rule. Come on. <laughs> it's a weird loophole. And and yeah, you see it maybe once or twice a year where it kind of comes into play where some astute return guy um, remembers that, oh, yeah, if I, you know, if I step my feet out of bounds and touch the ball, I'll get myself 35 yards of field position. Yeah, it just it's one of those like it's not the kicker's fault. I don't know. It just feels feels lame. <laughs> yeah, agreed. But what are you going to do? Yeah, what are you going to do? Uh, what's Aaron Rodgers going to do? He's going to throw a bunch of touchdowns and maybe win an MVP. You think he sealed it up here? Yeah, it's it's done as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I think he he needed a a bad game to 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 blow his chance at the MVP. I think the Packers needed to lose them, not get the one seed and him to not play well for for that to happen. Um, obviously, that did not happen. Um, he might have set I, I'd have to run the numbers, but it's possible that if not for MVS's drop of a wide open uh, should have been a touchdown. Uh, um, he might have actually beat his passer rating record from 2011. Um, and we can, well, one of these days I'll figure out, uh, you know, if he had converted that, what, what that would have put it at. As it was, I think he passed Peyton Manning for the second highest passer rating in a season yep. in NFL history. Yep. So Rogers now owns the top two marks uh, in that category, which is pretty damn impressive. And the fourth, I think. I think he's first, second, and fourth. Yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, Aaron Rodgers yeah. is 19 it, of 24, 240 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, yeah, I mean, just like what a cap uh, on the season. One of those uh, touchdowns going to Devontae Adams, speaking of stellar seasons. And he tied, I believe he tied Sterling Sharp's franchise record for yep. 18 touchdowns. Is that right? That's right. And he did pass uh, Sharp for most receptions in a single season in Packers history, too. He got the three that he needed to set that record. So kudos to Devante for a very big day um, in in the record books. And, um, you know, it, it was it was a little bit of a quiet day by his standards. But I tweeted right before the touchdown drive to, to start the fourth quarter when the Packers went on that nice long drive. I tweeted out, all right, it's Devontae time, um, just because you know that they were going to start feeding him the football and find ways to get it to him in, in key situations. And I think he got two or three third down receptions on that drive that uh, that kept the chains moving and, and eventually got into the end zone. Yeah, so uh, big congratulations as well to Devontae Adams. By the way, so he passes uh, Sterling Sharp, who is a guy who, in my childhood memory, I feel like that's a player that, like, 
oh, he only played for like two and a half seasons and his career was cut short by injury. <laughs> but like, you're the trivia guy. I don't know the answer, but I know it's a lot. How many years he actually played? Is it like eight? How many years did he play on the Packers? Uh, he made it seven seasons. Seven seasons. So yeah, he was drafted in 1988 and then had to retire after the 94 season. Yeah. So uh, two years of 1,400 yards. Um, his record-setting seasons were actually in 93 and 94. 93, he had the 112 receptions to set the team record. And then he had the 18 touchdowns in 94, his last season. But, yeah, that's a guy who, if he had not had the the neck injury and played another, you know, probably only needed another two or three years in, in the league at, at the, pl- the clip that he was going to probably make his case for uh, for a Hall of Fame career. Um, I think you can still make a little bit of an argument for it. Yeah. Um, I mean, in those seven years, he had five Pro Bowls and three first-team All-Pros. Yeah. That that's that's absurd. Yeah. So. Well, but, and now, uh, alas, Devonte Adams is uh, count, counted with him in a in a number of categories. But let's talk about the uh, the running game, which had uh, less success in this game. Aaron Jones with uh, eleven carries for just forty-two yards. That's three point eight yards a carry. Did have that touchdown late. Uh, Williams comes in for five uh, carries for 26 yards. That's 5.2 yards uh, per carry, although that's a little misleading. He had a 15-yard uh, carry at, at the end of the game. For the most part, I mean, the Packers came in. They they tried to run outside with Jones. didn't work. They tried to run inside with Jones. It, it, it didn't work. Is this just a case of the Bears' run defense being really good, or what's what's going on there? Well, there was a bunch of crazy things that happened in this game, right? So the Packers' first three touchdown drives, um, one of them was a 12-play, 80-yard drive. Um, the next pl- the next drive was three plays and 83 yards because Rodgers hits MVS for a 72-yard touchdown. And then the third drive comes after uh, the Packers recover a fumble, and they only end up going 22 yards for a touchdown. So they only ran. the Packers only ran... Uh, 21 plays as of the end of the first half, yeah. but they were up 21 to <laughs> 21 or 21 to 13, I think at, at halftime, 21 to 10 um, at, uh, 21, 13 at halftime. Yes. With the field. Yeah. Goal. So some of this was just possession driven that yeah. you know, they actually had some, some decent gains. Uh, Jones was, as long as they weren't running him with like the toss plays to the very edge, um, if they were kind of running off tackle and some of the outside zone stuff, they were actually finding some room on the edge. But um, yeah, it just with, with the possessions being so choppy, the offense really never got into a rhythm. I mean, they had 44 plays from scrimmage in this game on offense. The bears ran 74 plays Yeah, and the Packers win 35 to 16. So there's again, turnovers play a factor in there and the, the couple of explosive plays, especially again, the big one to MVS that, uh, that went for 72 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. The bears ran 74 plays and 39 of them were fourth downs. Fun, fun fact. (laughs) (laughs) Man, it sure felt like it though. Gosh, the Packers uh, did a great job on third downs. I mean, they, they held them to six of 15, um, yeah. which is pretty darn good. Uh, maybe a little bit above Chicago's uh, season average, but then they allowed five of six on fourth downs. Um, but thankfully, you know, they got that big one late um, with the, uh, was it Chandon Sullivan, I think, who yep. had the could have had the pick, but dropped it, but it ended up being perfectly fine. So, um, yeah, that was that was definitely a one of those things that just makes you pull your hair out as a Packers fan. Yeah. Do you think any of the run struggles had to do with David Bakhtiari 
Um, not playing in this game, and, and we didn't pod during the week here, but Bakhtiari suffering a non-contact ACL uh, tear during practice. He, he is out. Um, didn't play in this game. They shuffled Turner back. How did you think the offensive line fared in this game, and did that affect the running game at all? Yeah, for the most part, I thought they were okay. Um, fundamentally, Chicago just is a very good run defense, yeah. and especially when they have Akeem Hicks on the field. Um, he was out the last time these two teams played, and that was a big reason, I think, why the Packers were able to have such a, a great day running the football in that first meeting. So with Hicks back, um, you know, still having Khalil Mack on the edge, that's going to be a tough matchup no matter what. Um, so certainly Bakhtiari being out didn't help, but I, I think – you know, with with Turner, I think he generally provides a little bit more as a run blocker than a pass blocker anyway. So the fact that Rodgers was only sacked once um, really didn't seem to be under a ton of pressure most of the night. Uh, I think that's that certainly goes down as a, you know, at least a, a good performance under some less than stellar circumstances for the offensive line. Yeah, I feel like that may be a, a good omen going into a bye week getting ready for the playoffs here. Yeah, and I think that's going to be important for Rick Wagner because the fact that he was able to play and start and play every snap was astounding considering the fact that he got carted off the field last week. So him being in there, I think, was was huge. So getting another week for him to to rest up and um, you know make sure his knee is, is 100% or as close to it uh, by the divisional round, that's going to be a big help as well. Yeah. Uh, so J- Jamal Williams uh, is is back for this game, and then suddenly AJ Dillon gets gets one carry. Do you think that's just the the way that they intended it? Is it are they victims of circumstance? You think they meant to or should have gotten Dillon the ball a little bit more? Dillon, of course, having a breakout game, Mister Plow last week as we dubbed him. <laughs> yeah, I come back to some of the the game script and and just the game situation stuff. Um, Again, the Packers had that third quarter lull that they've had a couple times this the second half of the season. But there were actually a number of instances on that that touchdown drive in the fourth quarter where you had Dylan and Aaron Jones together in the backfield. Um, Dylan got, I think, his one carry off of one of those plays, and then a couple of them looked like they were RPOs, and Rodgers threw it out to Jones, who was motioning out of the backfield, and he got some uh, some yards after the catch there. So they, they certainly were... You know, finding ways to get him on the field and get into some interesting looks. I, I really like that formation. I think that could be something that could be dangerous in the postseason. Um, but yeah, I think just based on the matchups that the Bears were giving them um, defensively, uh, the fact that the Packers clearly did want to attack the secondary um, with so many guys out for the Bears and at the cornerback unit. Um, I, I would chalk it up more to that than necessarily, you know, Dylan just getting relegated to the bench. The snap counts will be real interesting to see how many plays he actually took uh, on the field, because I think it'll be higher than than most people would would think, um, at least the the percentage of time he was on the field again, since they only had 44 plays. Yeah. And you mentioned RPOs and the broadcast team uh, talked a little bit about that and just sort of uh, Rogers having, you know, as many as three options every time he comes to the line. And it really just like I don't know, it's a cliche to say, like, oh, he's mastered the offense. But it's just been really, really fun to, to watch him. You know, again, another cliche is like, oh, the field, the field general steps up, steps up to the <laughs> line. But it's just been really fun to watch him this year. Just come come up to the line and, and have a bunch of options and really just kind of own defenses more often than not. 
Yeah, you see it happen so many times. I mean, you can hear it with the mics on the field when he cans plays. Um, there was only one instance where I think he might have made a mistake in this one. Um, I think it was Barkevius Mingo was yep. kind of playing around near the line of scrimmage, um, showing blitz and dropping back. Um, I think he he show. I think I think he ended up showing blitz at the end. Rogers canned from a run to a pass, and yep. then he threw it right into the looked like it was a slant to Adams right in the direction that. Um, that Mingo had dropped into coverage in. So, yep. so that one didn't work out, but for the most part, you know, nobody processes what they're seeing uh, on the field as well as Rogers. Um, some of the formations that they were getting and, and the way that the bears needed to match coverages. Um, the, the announcers mentioned this too, that the Packers got into some three by one formations with their receivers and got that third guy, the guy closest to the line of scrimmage or closest to the offensive line got open a couple times. I mean, that was MVS on his touchdown, yep. uh, got matched up against an inside linebacker on a seam. That's going to end poorly for, for any, any inside linebacker. That was a uh, Trevathan, I think. Yep. Yep. You and saw, so you saw Trevathan was... sort of bite and take that little step inside, right. As the play started and you're like, and you could just see, you could almost like feel Rogers at that moment be like, Oh no, we're going MBS over the top. No way. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was a great design too, because the two outside receivers both ran stop routes and, and brought the safety in the corner down so that MVS was just one-on-one with no safety help over the top, which again, that's not going to work. Um, I think the Dominique Daphne touchdown was a similar kind of thing just on the other side of the field where he ran a, a, a seam route and uh, was able to to get past the linebacker for a touchdown too. Yeah, my favorite Scooby-Doo character. <laughs> <laughs> oh, kidding. That's not even close to true. Yeah, you mentioned Bar- uh, Mingo. I, wa- I did want to give him props for that, that play. That was a third and one pass attempt, so they did force a, a punt there, the Bears did, and it was still close at that point, 21-16. So, um, so that was a big play. Let's switch over and and talk about the Packers defense in this game. I have a question for you, and this is kind of an eternal question, but how is this another game in which the defense surrenders less than 20 points and I still feel mad at Mike Patton? I I still come away mad at the man. It's it's the third down and fourth down conversions. That's exactly what it is. Um I think the reason one of the reasons Chicago did not score more than 16 points is some very surprising decisions to kick field goals by Matt Nagy. Um, he did it. I think the, the third one to make it 21 16 from 21 13 in the third quarter. Um, I want to say that was a fourth and goal from like the two or three yard line. Um, and so down eight points to a Packers team that, you know, has been you know, scoring with ease on your defense. What you're doing going, taking the three points there, I, I don't understand that decision-making process. So I think that was, that was some, there were some mistakes from, from Nagy's game management there, but just the, the, the five of six on fourth down, um, you know, those, those are the things I think that, that stand out um, in your memory is, is just frustrating things that keep sustaining drives um, and, and that's, that's one of the things that always kind of sticks with me is, is if, if the Packers get one or two stops on more stops on those fourth down opportunities, I don't think we're feeling quite as frustrated with, uh, with the situation. Yeah. You know, another thing that I think adds to, to that, to the length of these drives and to sort of the general frustration is, and this is not something I don't think I've complained about on the show before, but here comes, here comes a complaint is, um, the Packers defense, and I'm particularly thinking of uh, guys like Preston Smith and, and Zadarius Smith. It's like once a game, one of them is definitely going to be offsides. 
and yeah. and in this game there was that strip fumble that was taken away by an offsides. I think it was Preston Smith um, at some point before halftime that ultimately led to yep. uh, of that field goal before the half for the Bears. Yeah, I think both guys were actually offside and jumped the snap on that play. And, and oh, Preston was the one Great. who ended up. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Preston got called for it, but then he was also the one who ended up with the the falling on the fumble. But um, Zach Cruz of Packers Wire mentioned it on Twitter that, look, Preston Smith's best pass rushing move is timing the snap count and getting off at yeah. the snap and, and beating the offensive tackle to, you know, beating him into his set. And if he doesn't time it right, either he's slow getting off the ball or he gets called offside. And that's happened to him several times in some pretty poor situations over the last two years, even when he was playing well, you know, really well last year as a pass rusher, he had a couple of instances. I want to say there was one in that Carolina game when the Panthers were driving down in the snow to try to tie the game last year, uh, where he got called to extend the extend that drive down in the red zone. So yeah, that's a it's certainly something that you know is a strategy of his. Yeah, and um, it's it, it sucks, but you know, for him to be an effective pass rusher, you almost have to to live with some of those once in a while. Yeah. It's a calculated risk. Uh, here's a, here's a note. I, you know how I love tight ends. Here's a note. I I took during the game. Cole (laughs) Komet, Cole Komet. Good. LOL. Graham trying to block. (laughs) It's basically my assessment of the bears offense. (laughs) Well, Komet did have a nice game and it's really, he's really come on the last month or so when the bears offense has just as a unit has improved. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I'm surprised it took them this long for, for the bears to really start to use him. But the best, I think the funniest thing to me about Jimmy Graham, not even his blocking was the fact that the very last play of the game, he gets targeted in the flats on, you know, third and goal or whatever it is from like the four yard line. And Jair Alexander's matched up on him one-on-one and stands him up at the goal line <laughs> and holds him out of the end zone to, to keep the score at 35 to 16. Like that just, that was just beautiful to me to, to have that sort of encapsulation of, of who Jair is and who Jimmy Graham is and just the, um, the, the, the toughness that Jair plays with and the swagger and everything. That was, that was a fun play to me. Yeah. That was a great way to end the game too. Nice cap. Yep. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. And ultimately, I mean, down the stretch, you knew it was going to happen. You were waiting for it to happen. A bad pass by uh, Trubisky is uh, intercepted by Amos, which is a little bit of uh, poetic justice. Trubisky kind of throwing up a, a gift for the Packers there late in the game. So um, are the Bears going to re-sign him or, or what are we thinking? <laughs> Ten-year you know, contract. I have no, Come on, I Chicago. have no idea what they're going to do. Um, I was on a podcast with Larry Dyer, Bears Talk Underground, this week previewing the game. And I, I asked him what he thinks the, the best plan would be. And his idea was basically do the Mike Glennon contract all over again. So give him like a three-year deal worth like $65 million because he's a quarterback. So of course he's got to, you know, get 20 million a year at this point, but basically have all the guaranteed money come in year one and like no signing bonus so that if he sucks after 2021, cut him, basically have no dead money and, uh, and you move on. And and that actually makes sense to me. I don't think they can, I don't think a one-year deal makes sense for anybody. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I certainly don't think that uh, the Bears can or will want to invest in him in you know a, a big money you know big time contract for for a quarterback uh, when he still has yet to to demonstrate that he's deserving of it. Mm-hmm. So there's got it. It's almost got to be that sort of middle ground bridge type of contract that um, 
you know, heavily laden down with incentives and just very front loaded so that uh, they can get out from it pretty easily if, you know, if he ends up turning into a pumpkin like he has so many times. <laughs> Do it, Chicago. One more. Give us one more year. Come on. <laughs> I can. He's, he's just about to turn the corner. Come on, Chicago. I can tell. <laughs> Well, you mentioned that Amos pick, too. The one thing I wanted to mention, too, is he's now had picks of Trubisky that have sealed the deal in uh, two of the four games that that Amos has played in the Packers-Bears rivalry in green and gold. He had that clincher in the end zone in week one of last year, and now he had the you know, the effective dagger in this game too. So it's, it's fun to see Adrian Amos playing really well. It's more fun to see him play really well against the Bears. Here's an idea for Chicago. They can continue to uh, dip into the Philadelphia well and sign Carson Wentz. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That'd be a great trade uh, trade target for Chicago. Yeah, come like on. It. Bring him in. All $37 million or whatever it is. <laughs> Good Lord. Yikes. Oh, man. I'm out of topics, man. What a game. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm flipping through the stats here just a little bit. And again, 74 plays to 44 Bears versus Packers. Yeah. Bears only outgained the Packers by 50 yards, though. So so Green Bay averaged 7.2 yards per play. The Bears only had 4.8. Um, but I think this the stat that really tells the story is Packers in the red zone, 4 for 4, scoring touchdowns. Bears in the red zone, 1 for 5. Yep. And that's, you know, that's as much as we get frustrated with Mike Pettin's defense bending between the 20s, that's the definition of the bend but don't break defense. Um, is you find a way to get the stop and and prevent the touchdown um, when they get close to the end zone. And with an offense like the one that the Packers have, um, you can't just keep kicking field goals. Somebody said that uh, Nagy went full McCarthy in this game by continuing to kick the field goals um, <laughs> throughout. So I thought that was an interesting little Little nugget there. Yeah, man. I'm I'm proud of these Packers and I think it bodes well for uh for the the postseason here because I mean if if you're the Bears it, coming into this game, you wanna play ball control football. You you wanna have more possessions, more plays than the Packers. You wanna keep Aaron Rodgers off the field. And for the most part, they did that and they lost by a lot. <laughs> they yeah. They lost by nineteen points. And um yeah, it's it's the Packers are showing and they have shown this year that they can win in a whole bunch of different ways. Um, You know, they can, they can win some of the close high scoring games like they did against the saints. They can blow out lesser teams like they did to Atlanta and Houston. Um, They can win games when they have an off day against an inferior opponent, like against Jacksonville, or they can just come out and blow the doors off of teams like Tennessee. And then you've got a game like today where it seems like, all the you know a lot of breaks don't go their way, but they still find a way to to lock things down and um, you know and come out with a, a double digit win. Yeah. So I, I I feel really good about this team heading into the postseason. Um, playoff football is such a matchup driven thing, and so it'll be very interesting to see who ends up coming to Green Bay in the divisional round. Um, if I had my you know if I had to bet on it. I, I would be unhappy to say that I think we're going to see a Tampa Bay Green Bay game at Lambeau Ooh. in two weeks, just based on the matchups of uh, of how things are shaping up in the NFC. But um, that that game I think would be a very different game at Lambeau. Oh yeah, um, in January than it, than it was earlier in the season um, in Tampa. So I think that's 
that's a that's a totally different environment. It's a you know everything plays into the the Packers' strengths there. So as it's, it's just gonna be very interesting to see what uh, you know who ends up coming up in two weeks, and um, it should be it should be fun to watch. But you know the Packers are the number one seed for a reason. This is not a fraudulent thirteen and three team like a lot of people accused last year's team of being. And they, you know, they came out knowing that they needed to win to secure the number one seed. They did it. They won by almost 20 points against a team that was also fighting for its own playoff life. Um, and so, yeah, I, I I love the position that this team is in and their defense is playing some of their best football all season. And that's where you want to be coming into the playoffs. Yep. Bring on Tampa Bay, man. Let's get let's oh, yeah. get old man Tom Brady out of the tanning booth that is Southern Florida in January, <laughs> get him up to Lambeau and see how he likes it. Absolutely. Let's do it. <laughs> it is uh, absurd to think about how long Rogers has played, how many playoff games um, he has played and how few of them have been at Lambeau field. It's, it's really frustrating, right? Like, I mean, that's something that Rogers has talked about and, and talked about this week coming into this game is, is how important getting that number one seed was to them. Um, it's they've only had it once before in Rogers entire tenure and it didn't end well because that team basically didn't know how to play defense in 2011. Yep. So this is not that this is not that team. There are some studs in the secondary. There's a there's a great pass rush. They're figuring out the run defense a little bit. We didn't even talk about Snacks Harrison. Um, great, great little ad who had some really nice plays on the interior of the defensive line today. Um, so I think that could be a real, a real big ad for them coming down the stretch here too. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, this, maybe a, a, dare I say Howard green, like ad. Yeah, we've, <laughs> I've been thinking the same sort of thing. So we'll, we'll see where that goes, but you know, if he can play a little nose and, and move Kenny Clark outside a little bit to the three tech and let him tee off and rush the passer a little bit more. Hell yeah. Like that's, that's a, that's a fantastic ad. Um, this late in the season with basically zero risk in, in bringing him in. So um, I think that was a best case scenario for both parties there that, that he was able to, to land in green Bay. So yeah, this, this team um, they just, they feel different this year in a good way. And the one seed being, being as big as it is this year, even more so than, than in past years. Um, I think that's going to come in and, and end up being real important. Yeah, and uh, we, we, we talked a little bit about Rodgers sort of uh, perhaps locking up the, the MVP in this game. One more thing I did want to hit on because I got a, an interesting text from uh, our, our friend Alex Patakis. Um, maybe with the Dolphins result today kind of getting steamrolled, does, does that bring Matt LaFleur back into coach of the year contention? That's an interesting point. Um, I hadn't really thought about that. There, there's some interesting candidates out there, right? I mean, I think you could also see uh, Sean McDermott from Buffalo on the other end yep, in that game, yep. um, getting some votes. Um, it, it's, it is surprising to me that Lafleur hasn't gotten more, more run for coach of the year. And I think it's probably just, he, he was a victim of the Packers success last year. Um, if they had maybe gone, you know, nine and seven, 10 and six, like their point differential suggested, maybe they should have, um, then you might be talking about, man, you know, he's, he's taken this team, you know, from a, a fringe playoff contender to a one seed and a, and a dominant team, but because they were the two seed and they were 13 and three last year too. Um, it almost seems like a, well, okay, he, he matched what they did a year ago and and that's all well and good, but you know, let's give it to a breakout team like Buffalo or, or, um, or that, that, that's where I, I'm going to guess that, that it's going to go is to, um, 
is to McDermott and Buffalo. But um, I, I certainly think that the way he has revitalized this passing game, um, he absolutely deserves to be in that discussion, um, you know, as one of the top two or three options. No question. Yep. All right, Tex, any closing thoughts here as we head into a, a week off and watching uh, other people play elimination football? It's that was that was going to be my thought is it's going to be a lot of fun to watch six wild card games next weekend. Um, a, a pair of triple headers is going to be crazy. And to know that, you know, that our team is is sitting there just waiting uh, to, to host whichever the lowest seed it is that comes out of that weekend. That's a great feeling to have. Indeed. All right. Well, we're going to close it out. That's going to do it for us here uh, on Two Schlitz to the Wind, our rapid recap pod, the APC pod. Follow us on Twitter at the APC pod. Text you are at Tex Western on Twitter. Uh, we are going to try to be back in a couple days and do a midweek show. We haven't done one in a while. Alex has been uh, traveling, but we we're going to try. Um, yeah, uh, that's it. The Packers win. They beat the Bears. That's always a good day. Uh, they earn a bye week. Home field advantage. Life's good, man. I feel good. I'm gonna hit the uh, hit the outro music. Let's Life all kick back. Good. Yeah. Let's uh, you know finish a finish a brown alcohol alcohol. Cook your feet up. Watch a little Sunday night football. Here we go. Yeah. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta.